Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. What can you learn from a PhD food scientist turned CPG founder who did a deal with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank? We learned from the man himself, Juan Salinas of Pinuff Crunch. And that's who we interview on today's episode of the Physical Product Movement. It's an interview between Andy Burningham, who is our sales director at Fiddle, and Juan. During the interview, you'll learn about his hardest won lessons, why you should bring on help as soon as you can for marketing, sales, and other business functions, the benefits of starting online and not in retail stores and how it leads to faster feedback directly from your customers and how getting into retail is more expensive than you think. We hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome everyone. And thank you for joining. My name is Andy Burningham and I am with Fiddle Inventory Management Software. And I have the pleasure today to be able to speak with a colleague, a friend, and a true professional who has had a wealth of experience, over 20 years of experience with the snack food industry. Please help me welcome the founder and CEO of Pinuff Crunch, Juan Salinas. Juan, how are you doing? Hi, Andy. How are you? Yeah, being I'm here. And, uh, thank you for the invite to your podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate you jumping on with me. And I know, Juan, that, you know, we were talking right before we, we started this and it's been, you know, there have definitely been some ups and downs, it sounds like, in, in your path and, and where you've become as a brand now. And I know that there's a lot that those who are listening to this uh, broadcast can come learn from you. Maybe um, some things that maybe some missteps, but also some successes. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. And we're going to ask you some of those questions to help those CPG brands who are young, smaller size, but they're trying to grow, trying to get to market. So my first question to you, Juan, is, you know, what are some of those hard lessons that you have learned where maybe it was a misstep or something that you've taken to heart? Sure. I can share a couple of um, experiences that might be helpful. And one of them you're very familiar with, because I think, you know, when you first start your company, you have to have your product made, basically it has to be available so that when you sell it and they place an order for you, 
you got to have a physical product that you're selling unless you're selling a service, you know, in which case, you know, you got to also have whatever service you have ready to be given to a customer. In my case, I make a snack and the snack has to be manufactured by machines. Yeah. <laughs> and to do that, so the first step was to, for me is to try to find a manufacturer that will make my product. And I have a very unique formula and product. So it wasn't easy from the beginning to find someone that would be able to make it. But, you know, in terms of the lessons learned, it's like find that manufacturer and make sure that you're happy with them. You have a contract with them. Yeah. That specifically states what they're supposed to do for you. And you state exactly what quality measurements also you want them to carry because quality is everything, you know, once the consumer receive it, you're basically being judged on your quality of your product. My experience was that I had very bad luck maybe, or just <laughs> lack of experience. And I started with, you know, a couple of manufacturers that I did not have contracts with. It was more a word of mouth. And I, and they ended up basically dumping me you know, okay. after <laughs> a few runs. Um, sure, sure. For different reasons. In my case, it was because I had an allergen in one of my ingredients and they thought they could handle it, but at the end, they, they couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it was easy for them just to tell me, okay, you know, yeah. sorry, but we, you can't make, we can't make your stuff here. If I had a contract, I might have been able to have a little more power from my end to say, okay, you know what? Based on the contract, give me six months to try to find another place or, or re renegotiate somehow so that I can continue to supply my product to the customer. But that was not the case. So that was a very hard lesson for me to, to learn. And it's something that, you know, at the very beginning, make sure that, you know, whatever, however you make your product, it's, you know, you're well set, you're ready to go. Because once your sales starts coming in, you can't stop. Yeah. And you don't want to tell anybody that you don't have product. Right. Your credibility goes down the drain and they figure out hey, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I pass, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's so that's that's, an, that's is one. And the other one I would say, you know, in terms of sales and marketing, right? Those are the two things that you need in order to really grow your brand. Um, sure. It's what's going to get the name of your product out there that you just so hardly, you know, sweat and, and, and all the time <laughs> that you created this idea. And now you have a product. Now you have to put it in front of buyers. And I always thought that it was just good enough for just for me to do it. It's like, I, I know a little bit of sales, you know, and right, right. I can I do it around <laughs> with social media. And, and in fact, it's a good beginning. You can start doing some of that on your own at the beginning, but then it will become very overwhelming very fast mm -hmm. when, you know, you're into a few stores and they started calling you about whatever issues, support. You have to go into the stores, you know, make sure that the product is well merchandised on the shelves, that it's looking good, that they had inventory, follow-ups. This gets really busy really quick. And so, you know, my takeaway from that is like, I lost a lot of potential business because I couldn't handle it on my own. And I thought I could. And I wasn't, I realized I wasn't the best salesman <laughs> either. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of no's. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, what I have now is a small team, still a very small team, a sales team, someone that I actually don't hire because I don't still don't have, you know, all that money to be able to hire a VP of sales. But I could do a, a contract with 
an external VP of sales. You know, this is someone that okay. maybe has five or six brands that he's managing and he's acting as your VP of sales, but he's not in your payroll. Instead, you know, you, you pay him a monthly uh, fee like a contractor does. Okay. Uh, and the same with marketing, you know, it's, it's yeah, very yeah. time consuming to do all the social media and to do, you know, answer every text, every comment or DMs. You know, you want to bring somebody in that can help you with all that stuff while you concentrate on some of the bigger challenges that you have. I think that's a, you know, that's an excellent point because a lot of these brands, right, as they're entrepreneurs, they're dreamers, they're, they're visionaries, they want to be the trailblazer. And in that same mindset, sometimes we do get caught up, right? Like we can do everything. We've gotten this far. Let's just keep going. And, you know, we have limited resources. So this is something we're just going to take on. But I love that uh, point that you make that, you know, we have to be able to accept that, you know, there's maybe better things that we can focus on with our time and we can outsource some of these other facets of the business to be successful. Right. So that's a, that's an excellent point. I appreciate that. And, you know, Juan, I have to back up. There's something, you know, behind you there. And I would love you to talk about, you know, before I ask you the next question, can you tell uh, the audience a little bit about Peanut Crunch and like, what do you guys even do? You know, what are you all about? Yeah. So, well, the background behind Peanut Crunch, as you mentioned earlier, Andy, you have about 20 plus years of experience working in the snack industry. I used to work for some of the largest CPG food companies in the world, you know, based here in the United States. What I used to do, I used to create new products for them, and then I will develop into actual physical products that we will launch. So I sort of created a, a little of a, you know, a little bit of an specialization on creating innovative products. One of the things that always bothered me is that, you know, we always created to make products taste really good. And by far, that's the most important thing, even today. Right, right. right. Products got to taste good, otherwise people <laughs> will not come back yeah. and buy it. But my problem that I had is that a lot of these products that we were creating didn't have any real good nutrition behind it. It was just tasting good, but, you know, it was just full of uh, chemicals and, you know, fat and sugar, et cetera. So stuff that I couldn't even eat myself, you know, and I like to be very active and I was even actually a bodybuilder uh, professional at some point in my life, not too long wow. ago. I still wow. practice a lot of working out and I do some endurance races still. Nice. But I always was looking for, you know, food and snacks that I could have that would actually help me with the performance at all these sports. And I couldn't find anything, you know. So that gave me the idea to create this product, Spin-Off Crunch which is a, it's, it's a puff, an extruded puff that is made from navy beans, brown rice, and peanuts. And when you combine all these three ingredients, it provides what we call a complete protein profile, which is a, a plant-based protein, but it has all the elements, all the amino acids that are necessary to build muscle, you know, and to recover okay. muscle after exercise. So that's why we're so different than any other snack, even other so-called healthy snacks. In addition to that, you know, I had done a lot of research with some of these companies that I used to work with about what some of the needs of the athletes in terms of energy. So we know carbohydrates provide energy to, to right. the athlete, but not every carbohydrate is made the same. So what I wanted to do is create a product that had the right set of carbohydrates to give you the energy 
but not to you know elevate your your insulin or which you eventually create fat and, and all that so there's a couple of the elements that my product has it's called peanut crunch it tastes delicious it tastes like peanut peanut uh-huh. and peanut butter and I, can attest. I can attest. yes <laughs> yeah, we have three flavors and you know you can buy it easily in our website at, at peanut.com perfect awesome well thank you for that i should have started out with that way but hey um appreciate you giving a little intro a little background about your company so let's kind of jump back in with another question here so if if i'm a young brand and i'm trying to get to market but i'm struggling because again i lack some some resources you know budget financially strapped what are some suggestions you would give to somebody who who needs to try to get to market and do so successfully yeah you know and i wish i knew this when i first started because i think i went about it the wrong way (laughs) though i don't think there's a wrong way there's probably always a better way i wish i would have started only online and uh, let me explain this because the way i started is the traditional way you know i went you know to retail stores around my area and i just walked in and tried to sell my product to all these big chain supermarkets you know, on most of the reaction that I was getting, it's like, okay, you know, who are you? <laughs> Show me some data. Like, <laughs> right. where are you being sold? You know, how much money are you making? Like, what's the turnover of your product at another store? And I was like, well, you're the first store. <laughs> well, I don't have any data. <laughs> and they're like, oh, man, you know, come back when you have something. You know, that's pretty much, it's sort of like the chicken and the egg, you know, because it's like, they want to know that, they're going to put a product into their shelves that is going to sell. And for that, they need data. But in order for me to build that data, I need some of these people to say, okay, bring it in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. uh, online is different. You know, yeah. online, you have your own space that you could just get in. You know, you're getting, you're getting to Amazon. You can have your own website. You could create all the marketing and beautify it the way you want it. Mm-hmm. And you can target the people that you want to target specifically. You know, and there are tools to do that, which, you know, we won't go into this, but through social media, through, you know, different email, email campaigns, you can actually start to target that group that you feel is the right target for you and the niche that you feel is the right niche for you. You know, it's the people that are active or it's the kids or it's the moms and actually helps you develop a little bit of strategy to understand better your consumer. Mm -hmm. So. If you thought that, you know what, this product is going to be great for athletes. And I'm starting to target athletes and I'm starting to see like, you know what, these guys, they're not getting it. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe they feel the protein level is too low. Maybe it's just too dry for them or too wet for them, you know, like. Right. But I'm seeing this other group of vegans really enjoying this stuff. and Really, you know, uh, basically. Right. Sharing it with others is like. Maybe my niche is not the hardcore athlete. Maybe my niche is the vegan, you know? Yeah. And so this is just an example. This is not what happened. With right, right. This is an example that, you know, it helps you understand better who your target is so that when you go out there to a retail store, you have more data that you build from the online um, business. And you could say, I have data that shows that, you know, these products were liked by this type of people millennials and you know they're going to be looking to buy this product instead of these other products 
And so you have a very story, very story to tell the buyer at a retail store with some numbers behind it. And then that will make him a little more comfortable to bring it into the store. So it's more economical as well to do. Yeah, sure. You know, getting into shelves into <laughs> stores is very expensive. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and you have to keep going back to the stores, making sure that the inventory is there, making sure that the product is looking good on the shelf. That all takes a lot of time and resources that you don't have to spend when you're selling online. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect. And I, and yeah, definitely the, with, with the unfortunate, you know, COVID situation, but it really has pushed us forward in terms of e-commerce and social platforms. Right. So I love that point because really that is something that we need to embrace if we haven't already in terms of our sales channels. And to your point, if you're young, you have limited resources, I mean, what a great way to start and to really kind of pivot and fit that demographic. What's the group that's going to gravitate to your product, to your brand, right? So that's a a great insight. And it kind of segues into my final question for you is, you know, with brands that are trying to scale, so they're at market and they're small, but they're trying to scale. They're trying to get maybe into more e-commerce places or into retail brick and mortar or distributors, okay? You like any other tips or thoughts, advice to be able to then scale up your brand? Yeah, I mean, it's something that worked for me. It's, and I don't know, it will work for every brand, but I would, I will always tell people on, on new brands, like, don't be afraid of, you know, international markets. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you a story because two years ago, our biggest sales numbers and growth was over in the Middle East. Oh, wow. And with minimal effort, which completely surprised me. You know, I was like, somebody from the Middle East said, hey, I think it'd probably be great to be sold over there. We are an exporter company. We'll take your product and we'll basically uh, partner with a distributor over there and have it distributed through the Middle East. I said, that's easy enough. If he fails, no big deal. I'm here in the US. This is my main market, whatever. And what do you know that we get orders in the truckloads from the Middle East wow. for our product <laughs> wow. because they love, they love this stuff over there. And we don't invest much money into anything, into marketing. We don't invest into, you know, uh, sales or anything. It's just part of, it's already kind of building in the price that we give them. And they just go on and they know what to do in those countries, you know, much better than what I will know what to do. Right. So I say, don't be afraid of, you know, those international markets, a lot of these uh, countries really look up to products that are made in the USA. Hmm. So, you know, having that label on your product is very important. You know, have the little flag of United sure. States made in USA. It's, it's huge. It should definitely be part of your packaging design. And, you know, try to promote that to, to yeah. be able to sell internationally. And you could do that through different trade shows. There's a, a lot of food trade shows in my case, where you can go and meet buyers from international markets that are coming here to the U S specifically looking for products that are innovative, you know, and made in the USA. Awesome. So that's, that's one way of expanding your channels. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. And it, you know, kind of going back to the last point, right? Like in the world that we're living in, right. Where it's so much easier to be able to cross those channels, to be able to go international, and I just never considered that. That's true. I could see maybe there's some hesitancy there for some young CPG brands of going international. You know, this is where we are. We make it in the U.S., but 
you know, those could be great opportunities for them. So that's an excellent point. So listen, Juan, it has been so good to talk with you today. I appreciate your advice and insights. Again, with over 20 years of experience that you bring to the table. And, you know, it's never easy for any of us, right? There's been ups and downs in your journey, but, you know, to where you are today and seeing the success that you're having. And I didn't even mention you were on Shark Tank with Mark Cuban and all that. And, you know, the success that you have had over time shows your resilience and your grit. And that's really what it's all about for these young brands is being persistent, being innovative, and being that trailblazer. So, I appreciate you being on with me today. Great talking with you. And I appreciate all of you watching today. And again, check out Enough Crunch and check out the awesome product that they're making there. Also check out Fiddle, inventory management software. If you have any needs to better manage your inventory, track it and have insight. Yeah, check us out at fiddle.io. Until next time. Thanks, everyone. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. Find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, Thanks for listening.